This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, I'm Roshan Gunnison and welcome to Open for Business. In the last few years, we've seen Bitcoin go to the moon and then come back down to earth to dismay and pain of many. That said, if you stretch that out a little bit, it's still up over 340% over the last five years and has climbed around 60 to 70% year to date. So, it's not all doom and gloom. And when you think about the Malaysian crypto market, or at least the regulated side of it, it's hard to miss the key name in the business. That's Luno, a regulated digital asset exchange that allows users to trade digital assets like Bitcoin. July marked Luno's 10th year in business. 10 years ago, Luno was known as BitX and started its journey in South Africa. Four years later, in 2017, it rebranded itself as Luno. Two years later, they entered Europe. And in 2022, they hit a milestone of 10 million customers globally. In 2023, the number is now over 12 million customers. And in the midst of all this, Luno was acquired by Digital Currency Group in 2020. And while that was a key moment for the company, DCG hasn't had the smoothest times with some of its other acquisitions. But that's a story for another time. Today, we explore Luno's 10-year journey and what lies ahead with James Lanigan, CEO of Luno. Uh, James, welcome to the show. Uh, uh, good to have you on with us. Thank you very much. Great to be here. James, Bitcoin at the start of 2013 was 13 US dollars. And this was before they saw this massive rally, rally which took it to a peak of $1,100. And then it fell off, uh, fell 85%. It would then coast for about three years before seeing the $1,000 mark again. And obviously, since then, we're now, I think, floating around 20000 25000 at this point. Depends on which day of the week we're talking about, of course. Um, yes, Luno's journey has been a roller coaster, but it starts looking... Um, slightly tame when compared to cryptocurrencies evolution and journey over the last 10 years, the wild, wild west, as some put it. Um, so talk to us a little bit about how Luno's strategy and business model has had to evolve and change in order to keep up with the ever evolving nature of the cryptocurrency business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously we've we've been around for ten years, and and there's a lot of crypto companies that that haven't been around for for that long. And I think, you know, from from the start, um, you know, even way before my time, the, the the company was built on kind of two main kind of core pillars, and that was kind of, you know, from the start, leaning heavily into regulation and and leaning heavily into kind of localization. You know, from 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 the start, you know, we 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 became quite quickly an international company, um, and we realised that um, you know the long term game around kind of trust and customer safety was to first of all kind of self regulate and then work very closely in each of our kind of different markets to help kind of craft regulation on the ground so that we didn't. Yeah, regulators didn't stifle innovation, but we also kind of created that framework and, and protection for customers. Um, why is it important? Uh, we believe it's the biggest trust stamp that a company can have to, to get a license or, or be regulated. And we believe it's the right kind of responsibility in a in a in still an early kind of industry that that has kind of risks associated to us, just with real kind of clarity on um yeah making sure that people have the right material to educate themselves when they're getting into um 
getting into crypto and there is the right kind of frameworks and mechanisms to keep them safe. I think that's that's the regulation side and then just from a localization side as well. Yeah, we're we're in we're in uh, hugely kind of diverse kind of markets across Africa and Europe and uh, and Southeast Asia. And we just have always believed that making sure that we are building a company and a product that is relevant to every individual in their particular market is absolutely critical for the business. And I think that has been um, really kind of key to our growth to be able to build really engaged kind of local communities to, to, to drive that growth on the ground. Now, you mentioned something around those two key pillars being uh, regulation and localization. And if I look back to uh, Luno's beginning in South Africa, uh, it's always seemed to, uh, this origin story seems to center itself around this safe place to trade crypto, that trust element, as you mentioned there. Uh, In a blog post earlier this year to mark the 10-year anniversary, Luno described itself, and I quote, as the sensible voice in crypto and that its mission was to put the power of crypto in everyone's hands. Uh, in a safe and responsible manner. So there are certain very uh, important terminology that's being used here. And part of this can be seen in Luno's efforts to work with regulators in different markets. In Malaysia, you know, when regulation came in, you guys took a step back and relaunched in this market in the appropriate manner, while other players haven't necessarily done that. Uh, Now, that said, though, Given the decentralized aims and the, uh, let's put it, libertarian undertones of crypto, is there an appetite for a sensible, safe and responsible platform? We, I mean, we, we, we absolutely believe there is. I think hopefully our numbers kind of show, show that that is the case. You know, we've continued kind of growth you know, throughout those 10 years, you're, you're topping, kind of, as you mentioned, kind of 12 million customers. Now, I think it is... Um, like a, a lot of the barriers to entry that the, the, the we see in this industry is always people um, just getting started for the first time. Yeah, the, the, there's a reason why we've kind of created the brand um, uh, that the, the we have. That yeah, what we find is if you can be that kind of trusted guide and kind of hold a customer's hand to prepare them and get them ready to buy their first crypto, and th- and that might be that might be kind of ten ring it or. 10 rands or 10 pounds or 10 dollars or whatever yeah we we find that you know once they buy the first crypto for the first time then they they suddenly get super passionate about the industry you know, everyone goes down the rabbit hole of kind of you know what the future can can bring on all the new kind of use cases so we we've always tried to you know, put a lot of emphasis on you know very accessible land uh, brand, clear language. Um, you know, making sure that we invest heavily in education so people can kind of prepare and understand what they're getting into. Um, a lot of investment you know into the likes of customer customer service um, and and also having boots on the ground in in all of our markets to. To, to have that kind of human element and human touch to to, to get people started, um, so that that that's that's been core to our growth. I think also we have been very intentional about not being at the absolute bleeding edge of the industry. So yeah, there's a lot of kind of new use cases, and I think you see in in the different cycles over over the last 10, 10 plus years and five years that I've been at Luno that you you see these new use cases and then people kind of stretch them to mm-hmm. extremes. They're unproven. And then, of course, 
these these things like you know in 2022 in the in the lending market where people kind of over leverage or overstretch and and then you create these kind of collapses you know you look back at kind of the ICO craze in you know in 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 kind of years gone past so you know we take a cautious or or kind of sensible approach to this we look at we look at general adoption of these new use cases um, across the world. We look at the safety mechanisms that are put out there for customers. We look at how how regulators kind of view this, and then if we're looking at bringing a new kind of new use case to Luno, we will also we'll build it in in a very kind of thoughtful way. We will then kind of you know uh, take it to regulators or you know uh, the different kind of government bodies in each market and spend that time kind of educating and 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 informing of how we want to approach this and then only then will we move forward and bring that to customers and you could say that that's not the fastest kind of time to market but we we believe it's right in terms of customer protection, we believe it's right for kind of the long-term health of our business as well. And it's it has proved out kind of in you know, going through, I think we're on our fourth cycle or something in, <laughs> in Luna. So. Um, James, we've got to go into a few messages, but when we come back, I want to dive into that a little further. Uh, folks, I've been speaking with James Lanigan, the CEO at Luno. The digital asset exchange turned 10 in July, and on the back of that, we've been exploring Luno's past. Up ahead, we'll dive into its future. I'm Rishan Kanisan. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Behind Famous Men, BFM 89.9. The Business Station. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison, and today I've been speaking with James Lanigan, the CEO at Luno. The digital asset exchange turned 10 in July, and on the back of that, we're talking about Luno's past, present, and future. Um, before we uh, went to break earlier, James, we were talking about the, I guess, the role that Luno sees itself playing, you know, not following the hype, not following the fads, but being cautious before taking up uh, a new use case, for example. And as you were saying that, I, I couldn't help but make a imperfect comparison to Android versus iOS, for example, where Android, obviously, for the geeks, for the nerds, for the bleeding edge, right, where you can do way more that you can do on iOS, but Apple's iOS is the safer, simpler option for most people out there who aren't too fussed about the ones and zeros and the latest features that power uh, of the of the latest tech out there. Um, is that a fair comparison to, I guess, the demographic that you see Luno going for? Folks who don't necessarily live and breathe crypto, but are interested in having some of it as part, as part of their uh, long-term portfolios, for example. Yeah, I, I, I think it is a fair... I, it's I, imperfect, I, I, I will say that, but... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm, 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 an Apple, uh, I'm an Apple user, I like that. I, you know, I, I use it for kind of similar reasons that you, you said. I'm sure all of our Android developers internally, you know, will, will help hate me for saying that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I think it is. It's, it's, you know, doing less, but in a, a, a very intentional way. And, uh, and I think, you know, we, we are a kind of retail focused business, but we also have, we have our exchange here. We have a lot of kind of sophisticated users on our, um, on our platform. We have a lot of sophisticated kind of traders 
Um, and we have a, a lot of institutions as well. So it's not that we don't provide kind of sophisticated kind of product depth to these customers. It's just we do it in a thoughtful manner. And I think we will we will not jump on the hype at every kind of start of that phase. We, we, will, we will look from afar and then choose the right timing uh, to offer. Um, yeah, the right products. So part of the, I guess, the value add that Luno provides, uh, part of its branding is this friendly nature, this consumer friendliness to ensure that, and and certain level of curation, I guess, towards um, what can be bought and sold and how it can be done it, because of that regulated nature as well. Um, uh, James, uh, Malaysia is one of Luno's strongest markets. Uh, and despite the crypto winter, uh, it grew its user base in Malaysia last year by 11% on year, uh, taking the tally to over 800,000 Malaysians as at the end of 2022, uh, or at least 800,000 Malaysian users. Luno also has a presence in Africa, Southeast Asia and Europe. What are the other key markets in Luno's portfolio? So you've you've kind of covered it. You know, the, our, our our key markets are um, you know across Africa, Europe, and, and Southeast Asia in terms of the the individual markets that we really kind of call out. You you would say you know, South Africa and, and Nigeria and in, in, in Africa, you have kind of Malaysia and Indonesia in, in Southeast Asia, uh, and you have kind of UK and France as our sort of core markets in in, in Europe. So there, there are sort of premium markets that, that, that we invest a huge amount of kind of effort and time, and then and then we have a number of other markets that we're in. Certainly across Europe, we're we're, we're also in in Australia and Uganda and a number of other markets as well. Since 2019, James Luno has processed more than 73 million transactions in BTC or Bitcoin. Um, now that's a big number, or at least with a lack of context, uh, it sounds like a big number. Overall, could you give us a sense of how this has translated into business and revenue growth uh, for the company? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, we, we, we are always looking at kind of the efficiency of the business and we're looking at the long term and, and you, you balance the, the kind of reinvestment to growth in kind of when when the market goes a little bit bonkers and then you're a little bit more cautious when 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 the market is a little sort of calmer or flatter as a, as it is at the, at the moment yeah we we obviously kind of make uh, our, our revenue off of kind of fees and and you know over the years we've kind of continued to look to diversify you know, we we offer certain products kind of outside of Malaysia at the moment but but but, but hopefully they're soon around kind of staking or we have a bundle product which are more kind of AUM based and kind of longer term kind of investment strategies so yeah there, there's there's a number of different kind of revenue models that, that we look at to, to kind of grow uh, grow the business but but a lot of it is kind of reinvesting into in into growing in all of our markets uh, across the world um, James, could you just elaborate a little bit on those two other? So you got staking uh, that you're exploring that you're doing in other countries, but you also have that AUM model, which is uh, assets under management. So it's a recurring revenue fee that you get for um, assets that are being managed by the platform. Tell us a little bit more about the value add uh, from these other businesses, and you know the margin expansion you expect from this. Yeah, I, I mean, I, certainly in 2023, we've we've invested a lot in terms of kind of product depth, and um, you know, we, uh, we you mentioned before, like when 
I think just before the last kind of ball run, we only had kind of four coins. Mm. We you know, a very kind of slim amount of kind of coins. And we've always kind of you know, looked at kind of the assets that we have on our platform as very kind of curated. We now have kind of 12 coins on our platform. We've got 10 in, in Malaysia because we you know, we work with the Security Commission on, on kind of making sure that they're comfortable with each asset that we add. Um, but we're adding kind of a number of additional kind of assets this year and, and, and next year. Um, you know, we're never going to have thousands of meme coins or, or whatever. <laughs> Again, we, you know, we, we, we look at, we have a sort of very robust kind of due diligence process when we add a coin, especially around uh, kind of credibility and security and, and, and a number of other kind of key factors. Um, so it's it's making sure that you have the right assets, and then when you have the right assets, you can also then add sort of new different types of product types as well. And that's and that's where we kind of lent into uh, a bundle product that that we've offered in kind of South Africa and, and, and Nigeria and Indonesia, where we um, it's called the Large Cap Select Index, and we use CoinDesk's um, tracker on kind of the top it's anything between the top eight to 12 largest kind of market cap assets. Um, and we rebalance based on that kind of external um, credible kind of source and a customer, if they don't know sort of an individual coin that they want to invest in, they can invest in the large cap select index and then it rebalances kind of uh, uh, over over time and they can you know it's a it's a long-term kind of investment strategy and and they'll, they'll pay a sort of AUM kind of uh, base fee and then obviously staking um we we launched staking in South Africa in um June this year for for Ethereum so um that that has a huge uptake in South Africa we you know Ethereum is our sort of second biggest kind of AUM globally I think you know, we're, we're hoping to bring that to, to a number of different markets soon, but it's a very kind of popular um, uh, popular new use case for, for crypto because a lot of our customers are hodlers on our platform. Mm-hmm. So they want to you know, earn passive yield because they don't want to kind of sell. So again, it's, it's making sure that we're being thoughtful about, okay, we've got the customers into our platform we need to answer the what next. Yeah, everyone's always looking at, okay, yeah, what can I do with my crypto and what are the new use cases that that, that, that might be useful to, to help me grow my money? Yeah, there's also an element of having to keep the base engaged and also uh, and, and using the platform. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, uh, James. We've got to go into the 10.30 a.m. news bulletin. Uh, folks, I've been speaking with James Lanigan, the CEO at Luno, and you've been listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit. I'm Roshan Kanison. Keep it here at BFM 89.9, the business station. Bluff-free medium, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kandison and this morning I'm speaking with James Lanigan, the CEO at Luno. Uh, the digital asset exchange turned 10 this year, earlier in July. And on the back of that, we're exploring Luno's past, 
present and future. Um, earlier, we were talking about some new products they've introduced in other countries, including staking and a AUM model. You, you mentioned earlier the staking is getting a lot of traction in South Africa, um, that these other models are helping you with the business over the long term because long-term brokerage or exchange fees are, you know, have a little bit of a fight to the bottom over time, uh, which we will touch on a little bit. But with these newer products and services, what kind of growth are you expecting or have you seen in other markets to kind of uh, show you um, the level of success uh, from these uh, new products? Yeah, I mean, something like staking, I think we're, what are we on now? We're, we're on about kind of, yeah, we're, we're two months in and, and I think about kind of 15% of our customers that hold Ethereum are now staking and, and yeah, we wow. expect that to you know, get, get, it, get up a lot further. You know, you've, you've got certain kind of queues on the Ethereum network that, that, that people are waiting for, which is coming down. So we expect sort of the uptake to increase. And yeah, this is just in South Africa as well. So, you know, I, I, I think you... It's like when also when we add coins as well, I think people will usually come in and they'll maybe start their crypto journey with a little bit of Bitcoin or Ethereum. But then as people research on kind of different use cases of different coins, then they might add a little bit of you know, X, Y and Z. So I think uh, I think that's always what we see, especially with our kind of active and engaged customers here, yeah, they will they will start with something and they will usually kind of build up their portfolio and then they might add another coin and then they might do a bit of staking. So it, it adds, you know, it adds value to us as a business, but it's adding value to each of the customers as well as they add, as they go on their crypto journey. So it helps to increase a little bit of that share of wallet as well. Different services, they pay different yeah. fees for different things because you can't necessarily depend on activity forever, right? Because there's, that's, that's a very lumpy business. No, it's absolutely, and 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 I think you know you you have different segments of our customer base in in all of our markets. Yeah, we we have very very active traders on our on our exchange, and um, and yeah, they 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 run at tight margins, but they they do huge volumes in and out on on a daily basis, versus on kind of more of the retail side, which is much more of a buy and hold kind of strategy, um, and and some do. Um, you know, dollar cost averaging. You know, some of them sort of buy a little bit every month, and yeah, that's always the best way to accumulate. Um, but it's yeah, it's di- different kind of models for for different customers. Do you have? Uh, can you share a little bit of the the right now the ratio in terms of how much revenue is derived from uh, trading fees versus AUM versus staking? Uh, do you have that number available, or at least a sense for that? Yeah, I, I, again, it differs quite significantly in in different markets, but I think I, I guess I'll I'll just kind of bracket just in terms of um, kind of the retail versus kind of trade, and it's about kind of eighty twenty. Now, despite local competition, Luno has managed to secure very strong foothold in Malaysia with the regulated uh, retail market here and you're still growing as per your 22 numbers. Uh, that's it. Luna does face a fight with unregulated platforms such as Binance. Um, what is the strategy to take market share from players like these or is it not worth the time and effort because these are customers or potential customers who are very clearly you know, looking at um, a different kind of service, I guess? Yeah, it's... Um it's a tricky balance. I think, uh, you know, our, our strategy is understanding from customers why they would, especially customers that are going from Luno to a, 
you know, more, more, more kind of decentralized kind of platform. You know, why, why are they going there? And, and, and that's why we, we add kind of the depth that we are. So are they going there for different coins? Are they going there for different services? Can we provide those services? And I think as we, as we add that depth, we, we see the retention that that creates and, and, and we hold a lot more kind of customers on our platform and they become more active. So I think that, that is, that is the best strategy. I think, um, you know, certainly from a regulation perspective, you know, regulators are looking at activity in each of the markets, you know, how much is in on regulated platforms versus versus not. And I think they are, you know, they, they carry out their own kind of investigations and, and activities to, to, to kind of manage that. And, and again, just protect kind of customers within each market. It seems that APEC is becoming a much friendlier place for crypto overall. A lot less heat in this region, especially with clearer regulations coming into play in different markets. In fact, in June, uh, Gemini said it was going to increase its headcount in Singapore, uh, becoming a regional hub for them, joining Coinbase and Ripple and expanding their Asian operations. Um, It does look like the space is going to be more crowded. James, how does this factor into your own competitive advantage here with a little bit of a first mover advantage? And are you going to need to navigate more competitive waters going forward? Yes, absolutely, and and again, yeah, I'll I'll keep banging on about the the, the kind of product. <laughs> you know, if, yeah. if we if we provide the services that customers want, then yeah, we we we're pretty confident that they will stay with us. Yeah, we we have such a kind of loyal and fantastically engaged customer base, and and, and we spend a lot of time and effort kind of listening to them. Um, I think just on yeah, in in terms of the Asian markets and and kind of the favorable regulation, I think it's. It, it has been fantastic to see. I think what what you see in the US is just stifling of the industry due to lack of clarity, and th- and that's the thing. You know, people we don't want regulation that is too overbearing and and really kind of stops stops the industry in its tracks. But you know, at, at the basic level, people just want clarity because people will find a way to engage in crypto whether it's regulated or not. So yeah, the, the advice is always put a good framework in and that is the best kind of protect, protection for, 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 for kind of customers in a market. And Malaysia was, yeah, was and is certainly absolutely at the forefront of regulation. And it's, we've used it as kind of reference points to many of our other markets as a, as a really kind of progressive way of, Kind of moving forward in the industry and i know that a lot of kind of regulators from our other markets have traveled to malaysia and spent time with the security commission and i think that's 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 what we want to see um i think in terms of competitors coming into the market the the market is still such a tiny percentage of kind of people that actually own crypto so at the moment competition and just kind of uh, visibility of, of, of crypto and the benefits of crypto is a good thing. And, and actually, we in, in most of our core markets, we work very closely with competitors. Like we, we, we work very closely with competitors to, um, to, to help kind of educate regulators, especially on new use cases. Yeah, we, we, we form and we have formed kind of um, associations with our competitors as well. So, yeah, we 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 try and look at the positives and and kind of move the industry forward together. 
yeah, there, there's always, uh, yeah, a, a little bit of push and shove and everything like that. <laughs> I, I, but, it's, but I would say it's healthy competition at the moment. And, and yeah, the, the most important thing is driving the industry forward and, and kind of adoption. Yeah, right now it's a lot to do with growing the pie as an, as an overall as opposed to fighting for the current size of the pie. Absolutely. All right, James, hold that thought. We've got to go into a few messages. Folks, I've been speaking with James Lanigan, the CEO at Luno, and we've been talking about Luno's past, present and future. I'm Roshan Kanesan. You're listening to Open for Business. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Building First World Malaysians. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kandison and this morning I've been speaking with James Lanigan, the CEO of Luno. The digital asset exchange turned 10 in July and on the back of that we've been exploring Luno's past, present and future. Despite your growth in 2022, uh, earlier this year, we did see some uh, headcount cutting over at Luno. 35% of global workforce was uh, laid off. Um, how do you reconcile this need for cost cutting given the current funding landscape versus the need to you know, continue to grow the business? Can Luno do more with less at this point? Yeah, it's it's you know, it, it was obviously a very tricky time to go to go through that. Um, I think yeah that that period of time we we was certainly not alone in in the crypto mm-hmm. market in terms of kind of making reductions and and we were not alone in in the whole of the tech industry so i think you know coming out the back of you know, such such a boom and and just being you know a lot more cost conscious it was it was unfortunately a reality of 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 business yeah so we 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 made the we made the cuts here. We 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 looked at um, what we still needed to achieve and kind of the core core areas that we wanted to grow and and, and we believe that we have the team and and I think over the last kind of six to seven months, like just the, the acceleration out of that is just I'm super proud of the team and 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 some of the some of the things that we've launched after going through such a tough time. So it is it, it you know it's it makes you very conscious of kind of the efficiency of running a business and it makes you very conscious of every dollar or you know every ring or every pound that you're spending um and, and that's good kind of healthy business management and then what we've tried to do is have absolute clarity of focus on what what do customers want in a particular market what's going to drive growth to to, to luno as a business and then we cut out everything that is just kind of noise and, and and that's how we've kind of approached the kind of the period after after, after those cuts now while growth is obviously an important part um, because interest rates uh, are up and uh, funding has a cost uh, capital has a cost profitability has become uh, a more important factor for a lot of investors a lot of businesses uh, James could you give us a sense of Luno's margins and the uh, and the business's path to profitability. Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's obviously a hot topic for for everyone. Yeah, we 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 have um, we we have a, a a great owner and an investor in DCG, and we 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 have funding the the um, that the, they help us with when when needed, um, and we're always kind of discussing them the, that balance between. 
kind of profitability versus kind of when 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 to kind of drive growth and and that's always something that we've had a sort of very healthy relationship with kind of DCG since kind of the acquisition and and it is finding that balance and they they're you know they are OGs in, in the industry they've you know invested in over 240 different companies so they they know when 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 to invest and when to to kind of pull back as well um any uh, at, at this point is luno a profitable entity or is that not the priority at this point we we have a clear path to profitability we are we're we're, we're still investing in growth at the moment with with the funding that we've got given that uh, the exchanges uh, the exchange business, uh, while lucrative at this point, you know there is su- there is going to be pressure in the long term with a race to the bottom in terms of fees, and we're seeing that with stock stock exchanges, stock brokerage businesses. Um, with that in mind, though, you have introduced other products. You've got your staking, you've got your AWM model as well. Um, is Luna going to be looking to increase its portfolio of different kinds of products to manage that margin or uh, margin expansion over the long term? And what kind of products could we see? Yeah, I'd, absolutely. I'd, I'd, I think it's it's as much, you know, I've, I've mentioned previously, it's as much from a business perspective and, and also kind of customer d- demand. There's no point in us kind of mm-hmm. adding product, no one using it. Right. Um, so so it's, it's, it's finding that balance and and actually kind of working with customers and understanding you know, what they would pay for a particular product you know we we also look externally at kind of um you know what different people are charging for different products and and we make sure that we are competitive and and again depending on the different behaviors that the customers have there are different kind of pricing mechanisms on our exchange versus our kind of wallet product as well so to, you know so to to give people to give people the option um, in in terms of where where we're sort of growing and and, and investing into to, to kind of the future, I think we're still investing a lot in in kind of supporting customers getting started in crypto. We still see that as our kind of bread and butter. We still see that as kind of the biggest growth um, opportunity in our industry because again, you know, we're 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 touching on single digits of kind of customers that own crypto in in any market that anyone's in I would, I would say so yeah there's still a, a massive focus on making it as easy as possible to onboard and uh making it as frictionless as possible so that that's that's kind of absolutely at our core we still invest heavily in in kind of the education and as we add depth you're know, making sure that we have um uh, the, the 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 right kind of education kind of roots into something like staking or bundles, so that again we're we're kind of readying customers for for a new product type. But I think you know there's 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 lots of things that we're looking at in terms of additional assets, in terms of different investment products. We're looking at new kind of transactional use cases that that we're kind of testing out. Um, we're also kind of leaning heavily, quite heavily into kind of the institutional space that so we're working with a lot of businesses and as they are uh, increasing their appetite to get into crypto, whether from a liquidity perspective or some you know uh, creative and innovative kind of custody mm. solutions. That, that, that we're providing as well so so we're we're, we're kind of adding quite a lot of depth and breadth i would say in, in our kind of product and then you know you you lock 
you look kind of longer term um, in 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 some of the stuff that is probably a few years out, um, which we're also starting to think about. Earlier this year, CNBC reported that Luna was looking to raise new investment, potentially marking the first time the company was opening up its uh, cap table to new investors since being acquired by DCG back in 2020. Part of the reason for this was for international expansion, uh, market share acquisition, and uh, notably, uh, preparation for a an eventual listing. What can you tell us about the fundraising process and the appetite for an IPO at this point? Yeah, so we've um, we're we're still having some you know really really fantastic conversations around yeah um, bringing in sort of new investors. We're 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 trying to look at the 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 timing as well. You know, is it right for Luno? Is it right for DCG? When when we look at kind of diversification of board, what will they bring to to Luno? But we have a lot of kind of conversations that are still ongoing. Um, IPO that that is that is one one of the routes on 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 the cards. I think um, I think it's 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 not going to be in the next kind of twelve months, but it's it's something that we're that we're looking at certainly in the next in few years as as an option. Lastly, James, ten years in to Luno's journey, give us a sense of what Luno's key ambitions are for the next five years. Yeah, um, yeah. Our, our mission is to put. The power of crypto into into everyone's hands. Yeah, we 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 want to we want to scale Luno and we want to scale the industry. We yeah we truly believe. Yeah, I mentioned it is it is absolutely transformative. I think um, um, uh, as an industry, I think the use cases that are getting tested and you know, are are kind of battle hardened. I guess over the last kind of couple of years, I think are really interesting, especially around. Um, Kind of transactional use cases, I think kind of Web3 access and the likes of kind of ownership, I think identity and custody are, are, are just really exciting kind of topics that, that, that you see. Um, I think we've got a lot of kind of, you see a lot of kind of credible kind of players coming into the industry, mm-hmm. whether it's kind of out with their stable coin or whether it's kind of BlackRock or Fidelity kind of getting um, on, on kind of their uh, ETF kind of spots. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I think the industry as a as a whole is 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 a massive kind of rising tide, and I think you're just getting such sophistication on these new use cases. But but yeah, kind of the the ownership and Web three access we're looking at the the kind of transactional use cases and and just overall kind of identity and custody solutions. These are the these are kind of the long term the long term kind of routes that we're. That, that we're certainly looking into. On that note, James, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Folks, I've been speaking with James Lanigan, the CEO at Luno, and you've been listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanison. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.